0: Uh, hi, my name is Michael Backus. I am the gameplay lead for Star Wars The Old Republic. I am the yin to Charles Boyd's yang. Um, currently, I've been playing a Sith warrior, uh, a Carnage Marauder. Originally, I started as a Sith Inquisitor uh, as Lightning, um, and then I've played most of the Jedi classes as well. But um, right now, Marauder is where I've been focusing most of my time. Um, now, as far as Star Wars The Old Republic, um, I was telling these guys earlier one of my favorite stories of all time Is some of the obvious nods for uh, Knights of the Old Republic some of the things like the Revanites on Dromenkos I I liked a lot of those touchstones um, Because I felt it was important that players came in and felt this game is familiar the things that they loved were part of the entire The entire world and they could explore those things even more Um, But one of my favorite stories of all time is I I put off playing some of the classes as much as possible while the game was in development So I I didn't want to see the entirety of the stories and and sure i got spoilers here and there but i I was pretty successful at ignoring a few of them and then one of my favorites was the bounty hunter and i will always remember the moment uh it was one of the greatest nods to kotor itself uh what was it It was kayla nord i think kayla nord Kalo. Kalo nord um There's a moment in KOTOR where you meet this bounty hunter, and it's lower levels, you're on like Terrace, and you can mouth off to him, and he starts counting down, and it starts with three, and then you mouth off to him, and he says two, and then you mouth off to him, and he says one, and I was convinced there was no way a role-playing game would allow this super powerful NPC to just annihilate me, and he just... Kicked my butt like so quickly and so easily. Uh, I rebooted it, but I, I was giddy and I was laughing my butt off. So anyway, I come to find, I, I, again, I put off the bounty hunter's class storyline forever, and I get to Huda, and and what happens? I believe it was Huda. Uh, what happens is I'm playing as the bounty hunter, and this NPC mouths off to me, and I have the ability to say three and then he mounts off again and I say two and basically I got to be role reversal I got to be the guy who basically kicks the butt out of this guy who had no business messing with me in any way shape or form um, so I think those tiny nuances have always been one of the, my favorite things that we worked into the game
2: Greetings and salutations, my fine old Republic friends. Welcome to the Bad Feeling Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Uh, How are you doing? I'm Chuck. I'm Rishi Bryan. Okay. That's painful. Special request. Uh, Oh, really? Yeah, by whom?
3: By Sir Salisbury.
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Bad Feeling Podcast. I still need to... uh, We still got to get that voice actor. I got to get him in so much,
3: man. (laughs) But welcome
2: to the show that uh, talks about this game that soaks up uh, every waking second of our lives. Oh, the Star Wars, the Old Republic, man. I, I didn't derail you. Uh, no, no, not quite. Uh, You're fucking pro. It's okay, everybody. It's what we do. Uh, I love it. No, there's ostriches everywhere. Uh, the the birdman. Birdman. Someday, someday we will have him on the podcast. I know. I don't know what I'd ask him. You gotta though. get there. I just want—I just give him lines to read. That's yeah, all I would do. I
3: just want to feed him peanuts. I know, <laughs> something.
2: You know, just oh, the guy. Look, ugh. here's a grape. Can you peel it? And now tell me about Rishi. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I got to go look at like some of the voice acting places and see if he's up there somewhere. Like you know, he's like find his find his reel somewhere. Everything he does is crazy <laughs> like that. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know what. You hear him on everything. He's like, selling discount have, electronics store. Have, have you thought about buying a Lexus this weekend? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'd be great. Hey, uh, reverse mortgage. Yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome. <laughs> I think you can sell damn near anything, man. I'm by that. Now, in this episode, oh, wait, let's do all the maintenance stuff. Uh, yeah, make okay. sure you're subscribed to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, all that stuff. You know where to get the podcast. Make sure you go get it, subscribe, leave us a couple of stars, maybe give us a review or something like that. That would be yes. helpful. BadFeelingPodcast.com. Of course, you can go there. We've got um, uh, plenty of different stuff up there. If you want to hear music from the show's past, we got all that stuff like lined out for you right there. Plus, all the old episodes. Our supporters page, if you want to join up and uh, uh, you know help us out, buy us tacos on Patreon. Taco fund. Helpful. So yeah, good. We are, oh, I had my tacos this morning. So good. I'm ready to go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of feeling a little slow. Too much chorizo, man. There's no what. such thing as too much chorizo. That's true. So that Patreon.com/slash is... Bad Feeling Podcast. Hit us there or on social media. You can find us on Facebook.com/slash Bad Feeling Podcast or on Twitter at Bad Feeling P D C S T. So hit us up and uh, you know maybe become part of the conversation. If you got something you want to talk about or anything like that, you can always let us know. I think we do. We still have the Speak Pipe up. If anybody want to leave us, a we message? do. It's so, on the left hand side of your browser window on so
3: Bad Make
2: sure that you go there. You can leave us a message. And maybe we'll even uh, put it on the show. That right? might be uh, pretty cool well, too. If you got any show topic ideas you want to hear us fuck up, we can do that as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, something. I mean, you know, you never know because because uh, sometimes we um, we're searching a little bit for that's stuff right. to talk about, digging here and for there. gold. It depends because sometimes there's lots of news. Other times. Not so much news. Not so much, but 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 this week there's actually you know a good little bit of news here. I mean not really news, but you got a uh, chunk. But Musco did Some his uh, controversy, his full chapter run this weekend. All on the Saturday, chapters, yeah. Which what I think it, he said something like fifteen hours or something like that. Fifteen yeah. hours, yeah. I for, didn't watch the whole thing.
3: I, I popped in and out of chat. Yeah, I was trying to get him to give away a Kratomatic. No, oh, oh dude.
2: they never did. No, <laughs> no. Oh, damn it. No. <sighs> But he did the stream and I mean, I th- he looked good through the whole thing. Yeah. Like he, he kept it going. I, I,
3: uh, something tells me this was not his first marathon.
2: Um, wh- wh- what do like, you mean? I, I have the like, feeling
3: like he's been a gamer long enough to know oh, how yeah, to pace yeah. himself and yeah. drink tea and pee in a bucket and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a, the catheter comes in really handy. Yeah, dude. Stadium buddy,
3: home. man. That thing's a fucking champ. Stadium buddy? Stadium Look, buddy.
2: Okay. Look yeah. it up. Is that a five gallon bucket with a hole on the top of it? It's a
3: hose that goes over the end of your dick, and oh. then it's got a bag
2: attached to the hose. Wow! <laughs> All right, okay, so you never miss a play. They make one for women too. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, the lady stadium, buddy. It's not. It's not a hose. <laughs> or... No,
3: it's a little different.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, are there, women are different. I don't understand. Well, explain to me, I may Brian. I've learned this once hey, or twice. Explain to me, Brian, how how what the difference between the anatomy is. Women be shopping. Okay. <laughs> Okay, is that all the right. difference? I think that may be the difference. That's probably. Oh, right. That's probably. And that. we just say we only need to have The audience. <sighs> <laughs> oh well, but uh, the no the the marathon stream happened this weekend, and he played through all the chapters, which is cool. But uh, what did you say? Somebody posted some stats, not yes. not knowing whether or not this is real or not. So, I don't know. Somebody like examined the chat window well, or what?
3: Volk, our favorite streamer from Bulgaria, put together a uh, a kind of a wrap up of what we learned in the uh, in the live stream. And I don't know if this statistic is real or not because it it sounds plausible, (laughs) but it's also totally ridiculous. Uh, He said the most popular, the most frequently asked question in chat is, "When will we see new ops?" Asked one hundred and (laughs) twenty seven thousand times, which I could totally (sighs) see that happening
2: (laughs) over a fifteen hour period. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, I know. I because you know. The, these photo pe- people are are it's less one than ten thousand an hour. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
2: so Jeez, it could man. be doable. <laughs> I wonder if he just like you know took it, took like a put it in Notepad or something, like yeah. copied all the chat and like just searched how many times the word came up or something like that. Right.
3: Well, and you know, there's people that just like I think they're just robots at this point that they just have the same message repeating every time every sixty operations, seconds. Operations, operations,
2: yeah. operations. So that totally could have happened. Operations, operations. It something. sounds, yeah. it sounds ridiculous. But it might be true. Yeah, I could see that, too. I, th- <laughs> I got a feeling the, the, the player base is a little obsessed at this point. Um, Some of
3: the player base is a lot obsessed.
2: Either that or they just love fucking with Musco, which uh, I think that's probably true, too.
3: I still want to give him a noogie. Like, <laughs>
0: oh, he's so small? <laughs> oh, yeah, come here,
2: little buddy. <laughs> well, I uh, I feel for the dude, man, because it's like that sucks. It's like you're trying to do something cool for the may, you know, all the thing and the stuff. And you're playing the stream and cool, and then people are just fucking with you the whole time. It's like, but you know, it well, is the internet, so and that's his job. Yeah,
3: like he he's his job is like here, wear this target on your chest. That's totally right. going
2: to be what we pay you for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, see that grenade over there? Yeah. You're going to go sit on that. Sit sit on it over there. Yeah uh, no, and you're gonna smile while you're doing exactly. it exactly. Yeah, All right, so, smile, smile, smile. I told you to smile. So yeah. no information really came out of the uh, live stream,
3: and it wasn't supposed to. So the thing with the operations yeah, it was just is a playthrough. He, there's nothing to announce. We're never gonna say never. It's you know, blah blah blah. We're yeah, more thinking the same. about sort of doing. You know, it's. They didn't say yes. They didn't say no. They didn't say when. They didn't say never. It's just all right if you were the dumbass.
2: If you were the dumbass that was expecting that, like some answer to come out of that, uh, out of any of this, or even the like the dev streams that they do every month. Like, like if you expect that answer to come out of that, uh, come out of there, no, you, you're just fucking fooling yourself. That's now, true. Happiness it, is a function of expectation. Yeah. If it does, if it does happen someday, I will be pleasantly surprised. But uh, right. you know, I that's why I live in a world of low expectations. You I know, know, dude. I have very low expectations for everything. That I do everything suck. around me, everybody else. Why? Because if everything sucks and everything is gonna suck, when I when I'm when somebody does great, I, I'm oh my god. Happily surprised blown away. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. It's the best <laughs> thing ever. So yeah, if you were actually expecting something to come out of that as far as like info. Uh, you should not have. Yeah, you're insane. Yeah.
3: The other thing that uh, threw people off is the, uh, there was a little chat about better than cross-server and or
2: mega-server.
3: <laughs> um, you know, oh, cause, God,
2: that running joke is so uh, uh, it's starting to get painful.
3: It is. And while people are starting to draw parallels because, oh, now we have, you know, inter-region between yeah, yeah, Europe yeah. and North America transfers, and now you can do this, and they they increase the price to a 1,000, and then they're going to drop it down to 90 coins again to transfer a character, blah, 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 blah. So people are starting to draw on, well, maybe it's mega servers, maybe it's cross-servers, maybe. They're probably completely unrelated, but again, there's nothing to announce. So yeah. people, people kind of harped on, what about cross-server, better than cross-server? And Musco said, look, you know, when I said better than cross-server, those three words, it was, you know, one-on-one conversation, and it's kind of been lifted out, and it's been kind of blown out of proportion. Yes, they're looking at solutions for the problems that dead servers have, or low-queue pops, or, you know, differences in competition, or whatever. They're looking at solutions to the problems, and they would like to come up with a solution that is not cross-server architecture, but they would like something that is better. We don't know what that is, mm. and that, but again... I will call out, you know, Bacchus said back in October at New York Comic Con that they'll have something announced and implemented by October this year. So mm-hmm. we've got five months to, to wait on it. Till that happens, I'm I'm not going to think twice about it. Yeah. He said better than cross-server. It could
2: mean, could mean anything. I don't know. And October could just be them saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to do it for another year. Right. You know, but, but then we have some kind of answer. You and know, then we have whatever, some kind of
3: answer. Till that point, this... I lump well, this in dude, with with wanting new operations and expecting a different answer. Like, yeah. It, low yeah, low expectations, people. Low expectations. You're going to get the same answer every single time. Well, it's,
2: and and I mean, the, except for uh, I, I was reading on Reddit the other day about somebody who who had uh, jumped on, and I can't remember which server they they had jumped on. I think it was one of the low pop servers, like extremely low population server. Sure. And they're like, this game is kind of sucky because nobody ever plays it, and it's like, right. wait a minute, hey, hold on. It's like you are on like the worst server yeah. in the entire, <laughs> the lowest population. Like, that's just just FYI. Now, if you transfer your tunes, then yeah, you know, which you know we were bitching about that forever being right. uh, being on Junk Mob and being on a very low pop server. And what I did mean, we do? Plenty of trouble. Well, what, we did exactly what we were, what it was designed to do. Was, uh, you know, with 90 90, uh, 90 cartel coin transfers, left, get all my fucking tunes off of there and go to a higher pop server, and then life is good. Yes. So. Yes. Duh. Uh, You know, that's just kind of, I I think how it's going to go.
3: And we had months and months to make that decision and follow it through and then buy a new guild ship and whatever. Um, It's. This has come up again in the news because they yeah, yeah it was a pain in the ass. Don't, it, get, don't oh, yeah. get me wrong, it was, it was a, a colossal pain in the ass to right. reset up my strongholds. Have to unlock more shit on our guild ship. Buy a new guild ship. have to you know do yeah, all no, your it, legacy. It, it, that, it was, yeah. that part sucked.
2: Uh, I, but, I will say that, but that, but it was worth it. You know it was totally worth it in the end. So I mean, are they going to come up with something at some point? They're going to have to. You know, but we just don't know what that is. And speculating and then and, and you know hitting them over the head with it and trying to figure it out. Is not going to help. That's anything. not speeding up the process. Yeah, but I will you know. say. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! Do you, don't be an asshole on the internet.
3: Listen, if we had gotten that operations question up to two hundred thousand times, then I swear there'd be a new operation.
2: <laughs> Maybe
3: that's where the problem is. We don't know. ask enough. We need it. They don't know that we want operations. Start that's a petition. We need to
2: start a petition to make sure that uh, yes. we get a new operate, because that's gonna that's gonna really beef up the uh, the efforts. I think so. You know, I, think but, I mean, it, it does come back to and we had talked about this before we started recording was was the idea that, you know, speak to us like we're adults, you know, and tell us what's going on. Uh, and, you know, even if it's bad news, give it to us like like we're freaking adults. Even if she's not into you, I'd rather know that. than totally, man. You know, man. You know don't leave me on. Don't make me think I'm going to get laid. And then, you know, send me home at night with blue balls, you know. several nights in a row (laughs) Uh, (laughs) over the course of six months what do you mean you want to just be friends no oh damn it son of a i thought i had a chance right you know no 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 you know what i'm saying i'd rather have the just tell me the answer tell me that we're gonna be friends from the beginning it's like it's okay that's fine i'm totally okay with that so i think that i i think that
3: that million to one i still
2: have a chance
3: mentality (laughs) is where
2: we're at and i and I, and I think we just got to come to terms with the, the You know, they got to come to terms with the fact that you got to give people bad answers, you know, it, it, because, just because they're answers. You yeah. know, I mean, you got to give us so, some kind of answer. And I think that's part of what, you know, he was saying about the better than crossover thing. It's like, look, you know, we got nothing on that, you know, nothing. Yeah. And, you know, and it sucks. You don't like the answer, but, eh, okay, move on. Right. You know, and, and I think that's the only way that you're ever going to get people to. Kind of shut down, even though even though you got to keep saying it. Apparently, I get that two hundred thousand times, <laughs> <laughs> however many you know, times you got to say that. No new operations <laughs> coming anytime soon. You son of a bitch. Uh, yeah. Deal with it. Oh, yes.
3: Well. All right. So that's really what happened this weekend, and now we're going to turn it over to an interview we did with Mister mm. Swotor Economics,
2: or known as Andrew. Yeah. Well, in he's he's been kind of out of pocket for a little while because he's been moving uh, to uh, you know wherever he whatever yeah. bunker he's. in. This dude in. works from his house, yeah. like so. <laughs> but he finally got his setup back up, yeah. so we, we had to get him on to talk about because he had to correct us about uh, our rant on. Well, <laughs> on as predicted, we fucked some and, things up. <laughs> well, that's kind of what we do. I may not be the brightest bulb in the toolbox, but so welcome Andrew from Swotour Economics to the Bad Feeling Podcast. Yes, one of us. Hey
4: guys, thanks for having me.
2: Glad you're back, man. Good to hear the voice again.
4: It is nice to be back. I spent the last month moving, so it's been a little bit distracting from the game, but it's nice to be kind of getting back in the swing of things and and getting back involved in stuff like this.
2: So like uh, in that month off, was there something that, anything that like popped up that you're going, oh my God, I can't believe this happened while I was going, or were you able to kind of maintain while you're still, while you're still in process of moving?
4: I was able to maintain for the most part. I kind of, I I kind of trimmed it down. Like I think we all do when we get busy. Yeah. So I, I didn't try to do much in terms of Twitter or even think about writing a blog post, but I tried to. Keep up with, you know, the things that were going on in the game. Uh, I haven't played the last couple chapters that were released. That was one of the things that I just kind of figured I'd catch back up on at some point when I have more time. So it's uh, it's certainly been busy. It's <laughs> There's been a lot going on, so it's it's kept me busy just trying to kind of keep up, even though I wasn't as involved as I have been at times.
3: Live vicariously through Reddit.
4: Yeah, a lot of of time spent on Reddit, a lot of uh, listening to podcasts. We moved about about an hour and a half from our old house, so I drove back and forth at least a half dozen times in a few weeks stretch there. And so I had a lot of time to listen to podcasts. So I'd go back and catch up on things by listening to all the different uh, podcasts about the game and stay informed of kind of what was going on even if I hadn't been able to log into the game for a few days.
2: So now that you're back to it, what were some of the big, uh, were there any big changes uh, whilst whilst your way, or is it just basically more of the same?
4: Nothing too drastic. I think, you know, it's kind of, we're still in the same content cycle in terms of the monthly chapter releases and the different things that they've been adding into that with the Eternal Championship and the PvP maps and things like that. So the monthly cadence has kind of been nice in terms of as someone who had a busy few months, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of keep track of what's going on Yeah. because you kind of know, like, okay, something just got released this week, so I've got about four weeks before the next thing's going to be released, and so it made it easy to kind of keep track of where I was in that cycle.
2: Yeah. It's weird. It's like somewhat, it's kind of like weird and predictable in a certain way, you know?
4: Yeah, it certainly does. It it did make me appreciate how this content cycle is definitely better for people who don't spend every waking minute playing the game. Mm. As I know that all three of us (laughs) are prone to doing. Indeed. So, It certainly does make it easier to kind of feel like you're not missing out, whereas before maybe you would feel like you were missing out if you couldn't play every day for a month right after a big uh, update or expansion, whereas with this content cycle, it's a little bit easier to kind of carve out some time on a Saturday and then... You can be busy for a couple of weeks and not feel like you've completely fallen behind. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's easier to get caught up when we're getting the what smaller chunks yeah. more frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of nice. I, and to your point, I like the uh, I like this quicker content cycle because it is they have been hitting it pretty regularly, unexpectedly. Uh, but right, they right, they right. haven't right. missed a, mm-hmm. a drop date yet. But we get two in June. Let's see how that goes.
4: Yeah, it's certainly. You know, there's there's advantages and disadvantages to it, but I think that if they make it through the entire uh, content cycle of the 16 chapters without having any chapter to miss a release date, that that's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, track record. Even though they've had bugs and you know delays with the Eternal Championship and things like that, that if they're able to release the core chapter content on the schedule that they wanted to, that that certainly has that has value and i think that especially with players that came in maybe from the force awakens hype and things like that that it being able to consistently deliver something has a lot of value in terms of giving those people a good first impression of the game
2: yeah I And they don't necessarily
4: notice things like the Eternal Championship being delayed, because they're not probably watching producer streams or checking dev posts on the forums. They just, you know, know when the next thing's coming out based on the banner ad and the launcher. Uh, I remember, you know, back when I first started playing that that was, you know, if it wasn't on the homepage of the website or on the launcher, then it probably wasn't on my radar when I was first playing the game. And so if, if they're in kind of a similar mode, it's, it's been very consistent and reliable from that kind of perspective.
3: Well, and they're doing a lot more with the launcher, too. You know, since yeah. they revamped the yeah. format there, they can put banner ads on there, they can even put a note on there that says, don't exploit. Remember, we yeah, yeah. had that, that. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Flash
2: screen. That was fun, too. <laughs> well, so yep. to get into your expertise here, though, now that that has changed, and a lot of people have been talking about how this has changed the player base and who is actually playing the game. Has that changed the way that the, everything else is operating as far as the economy of uh, SWOTOR is concerned?
4: I think it definitely has, and I think in... Some of it in ways that I wouldn't have necessarily predicted. For instance, recently here, I know that myself and some other people in our raid team that sell things like relics and implants that they've reverse engineered that are uh, the 220 rating Mm -hmm. uh, relics and implants have been selling like crazy on the GTN, at least on uh, Jedi Covenant, where we play. And uh, I think a lot of it comes down to that there's a lot of people who've, now been playing the game for maybe three to six months and they kind of they're getting to that point where they either want to get into operations or they just want to get the biggest number they can on the on the gear that they're wearing Mm -hmm. And, and so they're going out and they're buying those things on the gtn and so it's allowing people to make a lot of money if they've reverse engineered those uh schematics to be able to craft those 220 Especially relics, implants, and earpieces, since you can't throw them in legacy gear. Yeah. So that's been that's been interesting to see uh, the development of that, and I think that it also the the amount that they're selling for ties into kind of the broader topic of the inflation of prices on the GTN across the whole game. That these relics, for instance, are selling for five and a half or six million credits. And so if, if the target audience or the, the buyers of those are truly players who are relatively new to the game and are just playing through the coffee chapters and maybe you know running heroics to get credits or, or whatever it might be, that you know, if you think back to a year ago, the notion of going out and spending five or ten million dollars, or five or two million credits on the GTN, especially for someone who is relatively new to the game would have been almost unheard of.
3: Yeah, for sure. So, how does that how do those relics sell versus when they were first came on the market when 4.0 came out? Are they selling better now than at launch or because I would imagine at launch you had a lot more people wanting to do the initial gearing up, right?
4: I think so, at least on Jedi Covenant it seems like so you have you probably have fewer total people buying because you don't have the initial big push by people that are on raid teams or want to run stuff with their guilds trying to hurry and gear up. But you have like a you have a more broad-based group of people buying them, and you have a smaller group of sellers because of people who have stopped running the uh, hard mode raids where you can really get a lot of the dark matter catalyst that you need to craft those. So I think that the biggest thing that's made it more profitable for the people who are selling them is that there's not a ton of competition mm. as a seller. So even if there's a little bit less buyer demand, if you're the only one of maybe a handful of people that are crafting them at any given time, then you can pretty much set the price, you know, within a reasonable range. It's not going to probably go much above that five or six million dollar range for something like a relic but you can put it up there for five or six million credits and it's going to sell pretty quickly because there's not a whole lot of other options
2: jeez i don't know i'm thinking about how these players are getting five million credits to be able to afford something like that in game if they're just doing uh mm, heroic regular day-to-day i guess heroics man. they pay out pretty good yeah, yeah yeah i mean the heroics are the way to go in a
4: lot of cases i mean you can if you have a group of four so that you get the um, maximized
0: oh, bonus mission. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Credits. Then you can definitely, you know, get at least a few million credits uh, pretty quickly, really. Hmm. Hmm. So if you keep doing know. that pretty consistently, and if you don't have a spending problem like I do, where you <laughs> spend all of your credits on the GTN all the time, oh. then. You can build up 5 or $10 million pretty quickly, actually, probably a few weeks.
2: Well, you know, just because you want to tune all your weapons, you know, doesn't mean that you know, <laughs> you're just going to spend all your credits on that stuff.
4: I've resisted that so far, but <laughs> I'm sure that eventually I'll end up buying one of those.
3: Yeah, so you you alluded to something else that I wanted to talk about is the, uh, the general kind of, I don't know if you'd call it inflation, but the prices on the GTN seem to have gone up for those those higher-end items, right? Like the, the relics earpieces, um, the weapon tunings, the hyper crates in general. You know, If you look back six months ago, a hyper crate you could buy for maybe $6 million. Now it's 20 to $25 million for the new hyper crate. Um, and my question to you is, do, is that an indicator of something uh, from an economic standpoint? Is there just more money floating around or is there less demand or less supply? What, what do you think is happening there?
4: I think some of it, it definitely starts with the fact that there are more, there are just more credits out there that you can, you can make more credits in a fairly small amount of time now than you could a year ago. So that certainly plays into it to some degree. But I think that there's also, especially with the hypercrates, there's just been a change overall in kind of the, the high-level economics of the hyper crates that mostly come back to those grand chance cubes. And, and a lot of people don't like them, and I think that there's a lot of fair criticism of that whole change to, to bring in the grand chance cubes, get rid of having any bronze items in the new packs. Uh, and the, the reality of it, though, is that those grand chance cubes have been incredibly popular there's a lot of people who really like them and if you just sell an unopened grand chance cube which is that's like a unicorn to me because i've never had a grand chance cube that i didn't open
2: i can't <laughs> i know i don't I'm have self-control but there could be something really cool in here I man i don't know what it could be but it's going to be something it could be oh it's not awesome. die pack <laughs> yeah
4: it's a pink purple die pack yeah i know no. i do
2: the same thing i
4: That that timer on like how long you have to hold it before you can sell it is like they should just call that the guarantee that I'm gonna open it Uh when the timer runs out because I cannot wait a day and a half. No, I I need immediate gratification.
2: Yeah, I might as well just log off and and wait for two days because there's no way I'm not going to open it. I mean, yeah, I'm that's just I'm, that's
4: the only way it's happening. Yeah, is if I'm, I'm like out of town way. for two days. Yeah, I do the same
2: thing, man. I think I think for a second that I'm going to oh, I'm going to sell. I could sell, I'm going to sell this dude. Yeah, yeah, No, no, no. I haven't. I have not sold one. No.
4: <laughs> so, so those those have really changed the price of the Hypercrates more than anything because. If you're normally, if you open a hyper crate, so you're going to get 30 packs out of the HyperCrate. And so on average, you're probably going to get at least one Grand Chance Cube for every cartel pack that you open. And so if they're selling for, you know, depending on, in the last few months, it's changed a little bit, but call it 250,000 credits, which is fairly conservative for most servers in terms of what a Grand Chance Cube goes for if you're going to get 250,000 credits for every single one of those and you're going to have 30 of them in a Hypercrate, then now you're talking about getting 7.5 million credits for the Hypercrate just if you sell the amount of Grand Chance Cubes that you're likely to get out of it. Mm. So that, le- that that's not even taking into account the mounts or decorations or weapons or gear or even the java junk that you're going to get out of that hyper crate as you open it and so i think that as long as the price of a grand chance cube stays as high as it is we're going to see hyper crates that contain those grand chance cubes stay very expensive as well because i i've made i've made net profits buying hyper crates with in the grand chance cube era if we'll call it that that uh, i've I've bought hypercrates on the GTN for as much as thirteen or fourteen million credits and still made five to ten million in profit when I turn around and sell the contents of them.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially because yeah, when you start to add up the numbers and you're looking at, okay, if a crate can reap eight million like right off the bat, and selling it for ten million is is reasonable. Sure, you know, like straight up, it's it's pretty reasonable.
3: Yeah, but well, at least on at least on Shadowlands, we're seeing inflation way in excess of that. Yeah, you know the yep. the chance cubes go for five hundred k. But you're taking
2: a chance, bro. Yeah, you take a chance. You know, I mean, and, and the, there's the, some of that going on too.
3: The hypercrate goes for twenty to twenty five yeah. million. So where's my question is, where does that, uh, that huge inflation come from? I don't, I don't think this like, chance cube is going to accommodate for that.
4: I, I think that the, yeah, I mean, certainly anytime we're looking at something that's on the GTN, the only thing that's happening on the GTN is that someone's getting an item, they're getting someone else's credits for it, and there's a percentage cut coming out of the transaction. So there's no, anytime we're looking at the GTN, outside of the most recent exploit, there's no net credit generation to the game as a whole. Yeah. There's just credits changing hands for items. So in terms of inflation, there has to actually be net credit growth in the total sum of the credits on the server or or in the game as a whole. And so I think that comes back to the ease of earning credits currently, whether it's the heroics that we've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. or like you guys were talking about when you were talking about the GTN of just, you know, go pick shit up off the ground and sell it that you can you can go around and you can get things that have value with a relatively small time investment relative to earlier iterations of the in-game economy. And a lot of time it comes it comes down to time a lot with MMO economies that you have to balance that amount of time invested to the amount of credits generated because people are always going to gravitate toward whatever that maximum amount of credits per hour of time invested is. And I think that the the, the number of credits that you can generate with an hour of effort has just increased that significantly compared to 3.0, but especially going before shadow of revan basically before the uh yavin slicing nodes arrival into the world that 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 was kind of the first big jump was that if you could go to a yavin instance where you were relatively alone maybe at like two o'clock in the morning or something and just run around uninterrupted and grab every slicing node that you could find you could easily make a million or a million and a half credits in an hour but now if you can do the same thing, or you can go run in an hour, maybe you can run a dozen or more heroics, if you're picking the right ones, then you can easily make even more credits doing that, probably somewhere to the tune of maybe 2 million credits. So now that number that number just keeps going up in terms of what you can make in an hour, and the number is high enough now that I think if, if the number is low enough, then it's a very grindy experience and a lot of people aren't going to do it just because they don't want to. But I think that the, the amount of credits that you can generate by running, say, the Hoth and Tatooine heroics in a group of four is so high that the participation rate, I think has gone up significantly. And you'll see that if you just go to Hoth or Tatooine, which seem to be typically the two most popular for a group of four to hit, uh, if you go to those planets on a random Saturday afternoon, you might have three instances on Tatooine on a Saturday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And that's just... There was never that many people on Tatooine. So that tells me that the two entire new instances that didn't used to be there are almost entirely probably made up of people that are just running those heroics for credits.
3: So with the uh, with this large influx of credits, them being a lot easier to make, are things becoming devalued? Meaning, you know, if uh, an augment, say, used to sell for 80 to 100K, it, that would take, you know, certain time investment. Well, now that augment still sells for 80 to 100K, but it's a lot easier to come by. So um, things... Some things are going up in price like hypercrates, some things are beco- are are pretty much static. Are they becoming devalued and just uh, too available?
4: I th- I think in some cases in some cases yes. So basically the way I always think of it in terms of making money on the GTN is that there's basically three ways to make money on the GTN. You can either sell something that's very Volume and effort based, so that's where you know you're going around and just picking picking shit up off the ground. Yeah, math stuff like that. I think yeah. that should be like added to the economics textbooks and credited to Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> just pick shit up off the ground and sell it. So what's, a, what's a mining company do? They pick shit up off the ground and sell <laughs> pick it. Pick shit up
2: off the <laughs> guy, whatever it is, man. It's landed. business model, <laughs> you know. You dig shit out of the ground. Done. All right. So I think that's
4: that's the the that's probably the easiest way in terms of it takes the least planning ahead Mm. to just put in that kind of effort for some sort of volume-based way to make credits on the GTN. And really, at the end of the day, crafting augment kits or even augments kind of falls under a similar territory where pretty much anyone can do it. If you go train those crew skills and level them up, you can make augment kits and you can make augments. So there's not really a barrier that prevents anyone from doing it so it's just a question of how much do you want to do it and if you, if the answer is a lot then if you're making maybe 50,000 per augment kit you know in the in the current state of things today because they're so prevalent if you sell enough of them you can still make a lot of money especially if you're going out and picking up the materials off the ground so that you're not buying those on the GTN you can still have a really good profit margin at 50,000 credits and if you sell A couple hundred augment kits a week then you can make a lot of money but then the other so i think with those items that we are seeing the price come down because they are so prevalent there's not really any barrier to entry anybody can do it so things like augments augment kits and to a similar extent with the biochem crafted things like stims and adrenals and med packs Mm -hmm. and things like that that are very volume based on the gtn that the price has come down quite a bit because as you get further into an expansion and more and more people are crafting for themselves they're not as likely to go out and buy them on the gtn and at the same time you've got more people that are trying to jump on that bandwagon and sell it on the gtn and driving the price down so i think those those are certainly you're seeing the price come down a lot and it's harder to make much profit when you're when you're doing those volume-based things. It's not impossible. It's just not what it used to be early in 4.0. But then the other two ways you can make money on the market are things that are rare for some reason or another, and then market-making, which was the primary topic of the last GTN segment of the buy low, sell high philosophy. So the rarity one's pretty simple. If it's something that you have to have maximum reputation to get, if it's a schematic maybe, or if it's those relics that you can only get by reverse engineering a relic from a hard mode operation, things like that that are going to be limited to a smaller number of people selling them are always going to have better profit potential than the things that are very volume-based. And then the market-making is probably the most difficult in terms of the amount of time that you have to put into it because if you don't put in the time to learn the market for whatever it is that you're looking at buying low and selling high then you're gonna be at risk of buying something that's actually not that low and trying to sell it for a high price that no one's gonna pay yeah and then you just end up losing a bunch of money so uh, there's more risk there but there's also the most profit because if you do know what something is usually selling for and you see someone list something either because of a typo or because they didn't put in the time to figure out what it was worth and just listed it for the like automatic price that the gtn puts on something when you start the process of listing it for sale then you can potentially buy it and Make a very very large profit with basically zero effort, other than just seeing it on the GTN.
2: Yeah, and that's a, and that's a, that. Those are the people that are really playing playing the market more than anything else, because you got to be paying close attention to what's going on with whatever particular item it is. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be it could be mats, could be adrenals, could be uh, schematics. It could be anything, but um, you've got to watch and see what the pricing looks like day to day, hour to hour for that for that to be effective.
4: Definitely. And I think the biggest thing I always tell people, whenever somebody sends me a a message on Twitter or Reddit or wherever and and asks about how to get into that kind of playing the market aspect of it, I always tell them just to pick one one item. Maybe it's something that they already have one of. So they're, you know, maybe like an armor set or something. So they're very interested in what, what should they sell it for. And... Most of the people that I know that make a lot of money on that type of buying and selling on the GTN, it started out with one very specific thing or a handful of very specific things. And then over time, as they just kind of got a feel for something, and then they had something else that they were looking to sell, so they'd watch that for a couple days. And uh, so the easiest way is just to really pick some pick one thing just literally one thing and and watch it for a few days without listing anything or buying anything and just watch how many of them are posted what kind of price is there uh does somebody post one that you know is up listed as being available for two days Mm -hmm. and then you come back that night and it's no longer there so -hmm. there's a pretty good chance that somebody bought it you know then that starts to give you a sense of are people really buying this and if so at what price and once you start to get a feel for that then you can start knowing when to buy something because it's too low or sell it or what to sell it at once you have it
3: so make a spreadsheet is (laughs) where you're going with that
4: (laughs) spreadsheets are very useful that's not necessary
2: no i mean completely i mean in that in when you're looking at that you're gonna have you've got to keep track of it but if but if you're talking about like one item and you're looking at say just augment kits or something like that and and that's what you're focused on you know that's kind of easy to keep track of in your brain at least for the most part, it seems like, you know, or
4: another thing that's a good way to do it too, especially when you're starting out, if you're just looking at like one item and you want to keep track of it over the course of a weekend, maybe, or over the course of a week is just take screenshots of the GTN. I was just going to sort it so that it's sorted, you know, lowest price to highest price and just take a screenshot of that first page of up to eight that are going to show up and just take a screenshot a few times a day for a week of the same item and just see what's the lowest one available are the ones that were on there last time still there, or have they all disappeared? Mm-hmm. If so, was it because they were undercut, or do they appear to have been bought? Things like that. You know, you can just take a sequence of screenshots and get a pretty good sense of what the market is for a particular item, usually.
3: Well, there you go. That's a, maybe an easier way
2: to do it.
4: <laughs> yeah, no spreadsheets involved. Sweet. All right. Damn. Rock and roll. Damn right. you.
2: Good times. <laughs> I suck at Excel, so... <laughs>
4: All right, so let's uh,
3: let's pivot a little bit. Something I want to talk about to you specifically is how do exploits really affect the in-game economy? So, for example, back uh, a couple months ago, we had the item duplication exploit where I could buy a stack of companion gifts for uh, well under what they should have been. And I may or may not have done that at that point. Um, and since since then, you know, the exploit's been corrected, no more item duplication, but how, does, how do these things affect the in-game economy, does the does the game recover? You know, what what's kind of your take on on those?
4: Sure. So in general, I think the game is the game does a better job of recovering than people often give it credit for that it's it's kind of like an ecosystem where even if you, you know, spill a chemical or something, usually the ecosystem's better than people expect at somehow working around it. And I think the in-game economy is like that, certainly, where no matter what happens, everything will kind of find a new equilibrium. Now, that doesn't mean that it'll get back to exactly how it was before. So that's it's, it's not that there's no impact, but it's pretty rare for something to truly break the in-game economy in the sense that it can't find a new equilibrium. And a lot of that comes down to there's, there's basically the two different phases of an exploit. So there's the initial phase where the exploit is happening, and that will certainly impact the in-game economy while it is occurring. And a lot of that comes down to how how damaging is the exploit in terms of you know whether it's how many credits is it generating or how many items is it duplicating or, or things like that, and also how many people are doing it. So with the more recent one where it was a very small group of people actually doing it, even though it was a very potentially damaging exploit, the number of people that were doing it stayed small enough that it took quite a while for its effects to really build up and be noticeable. And even when it happened, it was only really on a handful of servers that it became a a major issue.
3: So what were the effects of it then?
4: So with the more recent one that involved the GTN and a whole bunch of uh, programming jargon that I don't understand exactly. It had something to do with uh, lag and GTN and like the order in which the server received the message from, you know, your game client, things like that. A bunch of technical stuff. Uh, TO or Swator minor, I think both of them seem to understand it. I just don't <laughs> understand the technical side of it. Um, and I, but what I do know is that it's, it's the kind of thing that's a problem in every program that has any sort of interactive nature to it, whether it's a commercial program for uh, trading on the stock market or the GTN and Swotor, that you're always going to have to be concerned about what happens if the messages that you receive come in an order you aren't expecting, they're formatted in a way you're not expecting, things like that. The types of things that hackers do to commercial programs all the time to try and confuse them, uh, it's the same type of thing. And so in that case, the net result was that the exploiter would purchase an item, the person selling it would get the credits as if you know they sold it, because they did, and the exploiter would get the item, but then they would also get their credits back. So now they've still got, say, their 10 million credits that they just bought the item with, but they got their credits back and now they have the item, so now if they turn around and List that item for something unrealistically low, like five million credits, since they just bought it for ten, then and someone turns around and buys that from them. Now they've got fifteen million credits because they just sold an item that they got for free for five million credits. So it was a lot it was a lot different than the prior exploits that were more they weren't very interactive, the prior ones, whereas this one was more interactive, like there was someone on the other side of both of those transactions. And I think that's why we saw the the one type of negative impact that can occur that, that was very uh, prevalent this last time was people getting caught in the net afterwards when... BioWare goes and, and tries to unwind everything and, and dole out punishments appropriately, that there were a number of people posting on, on Reddit and social media and stuff saying that they had been temporarily banned and they were not doing the exploit. They were just, you know, playing the game as they always had. And most of them were very active on the GTN. And so if you think of that original example of you buy an item for $10 million, the exploiter gets the item and their credits back, lists it for five. Well, if you're a savvy GTN player that is looking for underpriced items and you see somebody list something that you just sold for 10 million credits for five, first of all, you probably don't even realize that it's the same person and maybe they're selling it on a different character than the one they bought it on. And so you're gonna say, hey, there's the same exact thing I just sold for 10 million credits available for five, I'm gonna buy that. So now what probably happened was a lot of the people who ended up uh, incorrectly initially banned were involved in a lot of transactions unknowingly with someone who was exploiting the GTN, Mm. but it's really hard to tell if that's someone who just accidentally ended up on the other side of those transactions, or is it somebody who was coordinating with the exploiter to. Yeah.
2: Whether they're actually like culpable as part of that process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So that's, that's at least in my head, how it makes sense in terms of how I understand it to have worked. Uh, That might be, uh missing some of the finer details of the whole thing so that's but that's one of the big things that can happen is how how does it impact the economy then when it transitions from being a live exploit to being something that is shut down and then they move into the punishment phase of of trying to figure out who needs to be banned who needs their credits taken away who needs items taken away things like that where You can you can have people caught in the net that weren't involved or you can have people that were involved that escape the initial net for whatever reason. Mm. And and a lot of the long term effects come down to that phase when they put in a patch to fix the exploit, fix the weakness that's allowing the exploit and begin to ban people or take away credits if they're if they're completely successful then theoretically the impact should be essentially zero so at that point it just comes down to no, nothing's ever going to be 100% effective yeah. in that scenario so how effective is it is it 90% effective is it 70% effective how many ill-gotten credits make it out of the net and don't get deleted things like that and I think that's always going to vary quite a bit from one exploit to the next, just depending on the specifics of it and how easy or difficult it is to unwind the sequence of events. They certainly have gotten better at it over time. I think if if you look back to the exploits that were going on at the beginning of the Shadow of Revan content cycle, the amount of time that it was live was much longer. And the amount to which it was unwound was very little because partially because of how long it went on and so when you when you look at the long-term impact of something like that it was pretty significant now the game found a new equilibrium and was able to the economy was able to find a new way to exist but it was permanently altered whereas i think with this most recent exploit the long-term effects are probably fairly minimal it seems like at least from what we're seeing so far the changes that we had seen in the cost of things and in the price that credit sellers were trying to sell me credits for constantly were not really changed that much on either side of the exploit
2: yeah i mean and it also seems like that would be something uh, but i wonder if part of that balances too because we were talking about like being able to generate credits, you know, you're not generating credits on the market. It's except for this exploit where it's actually generating a lot of credits all at once. Uh, I wonder if part of that fallout is trying to have ways to generate more credits because things are costing more from the exploit before previous that lasted too long versus this one. It seems like they were able to nip in the bud a little bit faster, you know, so it's, you need to be able to make more credits out there because the prices are going up on everything because it inflated due to an exploit earlier but that's the importance of catching it early is so that it doesn't do that to the economy to where everything is going to cost more and inflation goes just ape shit
4: that is true and i think that's a there's a reason that most mmos over time tend toward price inflation and because there is an actual like design purpose to it that where it is useful to have at least some degree of inflation in the game because there's always going to be whether it's an exploit or just people stockpiling credits it's in their interest as the developers of the game to have players more inclined to be using credits for things than to just stockpile them indefinitely yeah Because if people just stockpile them indefinitely, they come out with a new content cycle or whatever it is, and you've got people sitting on tens of millions of credits, in in our case, in in this game, then that's going to cause issues if they release something because there's going to be people that are able to immediately buy anything that's available for credits Mm -hmm. in massive quantities. And so that's not necessarily a good thing when you're releasing new content and you want it to have a certain life cycle you need people to not have too many credits on hand so that they can just kind of spend their way through something
2: yeah because you can shift the balance of the way the way that you have it planned out for the for the well in this case the month-to-month cycle
4: exactly so yeah. in in a more recent example not even one that was an exploit just something that was happening was prior to level sync people would go run various uh heroic missions solo on planets like Voss or Corellia or or places like that. And since there was no level sync, they could they could run them solo and they could just keep running the same heroic over and over and reset the mission before they turned it in and make millions and millions and millions of credits. I know someone that at one point, like over the course of a couple months before uh 4.0, he made like Hundred and seventy million credits just by spending hours upon hours running the same heroics over and over again like that. Now I couldn't bring myself to do it because it sounded <laughs> it sounded miserably boring. God, yeah, but that's he like, really wanted to get a bunch of credits, whoa. and he was able to. But then, if you have inflation, where now you roll out these new heroics, and it's relatively easy to make five million credits over the course of a couple weeks, mm. it what it what it does is allows newer players the opportunity to catch up to someone who has hundred, uh, over a hundred million credits in the bank. It, it's easier to catch up if credits are more plentiful. Yeah, And so I think that that was an important thing that they probably did pretty intentionally with this content cycle is that they wanted it to be easier to get credits so that when you've got all these new players that they were expecting from the movie release and, and the star Wars hype that I think that the the prices that gold sellers are trying to sell credits for in the game right now is more than anything probably indicative of a success on BioWare's part in terms of giving new players a way in the game without having to turn to websites that sell credits yeah. to get a million credits or two million credits or three million credits. Because... That's usually the core audience for any sort of in-game currency seller is a new player who's coming in, they want things that they can't afford, and they're saying, well, it's going to take me six months to earn the kind of credits that it would require for me to buy this thing that I want. Maybe it's that, you know, relic that someone has crafted. So if you're trying to get geared up because you're new to the game, but you want to get into operations... And so you want that relic.
2: How do you make money?
4: How do you make money? And if the answer is it's going to take you months to make the money to get it. You just give up. Yeah. You're going to give up in terms of an in-game option and you're going to turn to a credit seller. Yeah. And you're going to say, well, if I can buy 5 million credits, then I can get that thing that I want and I can have it now. And so that's usually how the credit sellers get their customers is because new people need credits more so than established people looking for credits Mm -hmm. because, They usually have more ways to get them, or they've, and yeah, so they yeah they figured that, they
2: figured out the ways to to get them because they know.
4: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think one thing that has worked about the plentiful amount of credits that you can get from running things like heroics is that it appears to have pretty much cut the legs out from under the credit sellers because at this point they're down under a dollar per million credits. Yeah, I've noticed whereas that. Whereas they were yeah. four or five dollars per million credits before the expansion.
2: And they're not even sending so, me a single credit in the mail anymore. You know, I'm, I'm just getting the spam. You can know? see, it's they're like, taking yeah, a hit. Yeah.
4: <laughs> They've cut the marketing budget significantly. Yeah. <laughs> they're not even giving me a credit to open their message and report it to spam. <laughs>
2: That's
3: awesome. Either that or BioWare did a really great job of rounding them all up and, and booting them all from the game, right? Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, I think that <laughs> at the end of the day, if... If this was intentional, and it's not like anybody has told me that it was, but you know, if there was a thought process to do this, it's way more effective to just make the credit sellers economically less viable yeah, right. than it is to police them. Yeah, it's much sure. easier to just have them decide that this isn't a game where they can make a bunch of profit, and so they stop putting in the effort and focus on other games where they can make more of a profit. So I think that. If it wasn't intentional, then it was a very, uh, fortunate, unintentional side thing, effect. But I yeah. suspect that it was on purpose probably. So then why don't and, we
3: see, why don't we see the credit sellers selling 5 million credits for $5 or for whatever? Why do they stay at that 1 million credit mark, which is so easy to attain in game?
4: Sure. I mean, I, I've seen other offers. I got one recently that was like 2 million credits for $1, which I thought was a pretty cheap offer. Um, I've also, on the flip side of it, seen uh, guilds before where, like, if you pay for a month of, like, the TeamSpeak server service, that they'll give you, like, a million credits in game or something as a <laughs> thank you. And I always thought that was funny because with how cheap credits have gotten, if somebody pays for a month of my TeamSpeak server, it's worth way more than 50 <laughs> cents. Yeah, <right>? Yeah. <laughs> so if I can buy credits for 50 cents and get people to pay for other things for me, and i be like, here, I'll give you a million credits. Yeah. You could, like, turn a profit on...
0: What used out of to be game like a services,
3: yeah, right, right. I wonder how many yeah, credits exactly. tacos go for. Like.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> exactly. So I think that uh, that's actually been a very positive thing. And another another thing that uh, I see more than uh, most people would see is that makes me think this is the case that the credit sellers don't like how many credits there are in the game right now. Is that uh, I, whenever there's an exploit out there, I start getting these. Uh, emails from people with like, Hey, I think there's an exploit. Here's why I think it is stuff like that. And so a lot of times, like with this most recent one, uh, if it's a really good tip, I don't understand the technical side of it. So I have to send it to someone like Swotor Minor and be like, Hey, tell me if this is a thing. And, uh, a lot of those tips that I'm getting though, frequently are actually coming from people who will later, say that they actually are either affiliated with a credit selling website or
1: <laughs> something.
4: So like they're literally reporting, uh, trying to like get exploits out of the game Wow, uh, in some cases. That makes because sense Because they'll though. hear about them. Because it's competition. You know, somebody, com- somebody comes to them trying to sell them a whole bunch of credits and they're like, well, where'd you get them? And they say, oh, it's so funny. I went and, you know, did this, this, and this and got all these credits. And then they're like turning around trying to make sure that it gets reported to BioWare so that there aren't too many credits generated. Wow. Interesting. Of <laughs> wow. their
2: profits. Strange bad fellows. Yeah, I tell you what. <laughs> exactly. the, fo- the fox wants to live in the hen house, not uh, not eat yep. all the chickens, in one at a time. You know. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that's funny.
4: So it, it is. It is funny how the 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 in game economy has certainly changed a lot. That the the ease of getting credits and the price of things on the GTN has changed significantly, and the impacts of it reverberate in a lot of ways that some expected some unexpected and i think it's it's one of the things that's always interested me about the economy of the game is how at the end of the day it is a very complex interactive economy that especially when we had cheap server transfers usually with games you see more of like a server level economy develop and The economies on different servers can be fairly different from each other. But especially since we had cheap transfers for so long, there were a lot of people who would keep an eye on a couple different servers and maybe go buy something on another server and then transfer that character back to sell it on another server where the price was very different. And so that caused a lot of the in-game economies of the various servers to converge during that last six to nine months when we had the cheap transfers. Mm -hmm. So that's also kind of an interesting difference compared to maybe a couple of years ago when you would see more servo level variety in the economies
2: yes it is a complicated process hence the yeah. reason that we invite you onto the show exactly. to talk about this my, <laughs> my friend uh, because uh, we obviously, have got our heads way far up our asses as yeah. far as uh, this is
3: concerned.
2: I was trying so. to take
3: notes, but yeah. <laughs> need a know. textbook. God damn
2: it! Uh, go kill things and stuff, and uh, exploit when you can. Uh, no, I'm, I don't think. Damn, I don't think that's a if we need to send. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> don't get into credit <laughs> farming. <laughs> yeah, right. It's right.
3: not a viable
4: yeah. business
2: model.
3: Yeah,
4: no kidding. It's not a good time to enter that business model. <laughs> yeah, indeed.
3: All right, man. Well, I want to thank you very much for coming on and uh, explaining stuff to us. And uh, I appreciate your time. So, give everybody uh, your contact info.
4: Sure. So uh, I am on Twitter. It's just Swotor Economics uh, on Twitter, and I'm pretty active on Reddit as well. So I, my username is Swotor Economics there as well. I, I lack creativity, so it's just the same everywhere. It's better that way. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. a good brand. You know. Yeah, exactly. It's it's branding. It was on yeah, purpose. Kind totally. Of. It wasn't laziness. <laughs> and the uh, website for the blog is just swotoreconomics.com. Uh, I haven't posted anything really recently with all the busyness in real life, um, but I'm hoping to get back to it here in the next few months as we kind of settle in and, and hopefully have a little bit more time for other things. But there's a lot of old stuff that especially if somebody's new and trying to figure out how to make credits in the game or things like that, there's there's certainly a lot of older Uh, blog posts that are still uh, completely relevant and useful and so there's a lot of good stuff there uh, as a resource if people are interested in these types of topics and then hopefully maybe someday some new stuff too
2: awesome well Well, it's great to have you back man
4: no problem glad to be glad to be here i keep telling people it's it's good to be seen whenever they're surprised to see me in game again or something
2: (laughs) there you go well thanks again man appreciate it so thanks again to Andrew from SOTOR Economics for uh, coming on the show and schooling us, uh, giving us the actual ones and twos about how uh, bad we are with math. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pick shit up off the ground. That's, hey, man. That's my theory. It's a viable business and he model. thought it was legit. Yeah. So, hey, man. Uh, you can make a business out of it in SOTOR. Yes. Done. 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 I'm, see, I'm the smart one. Who, I know. Who knew? I know. I use big words. <laughs> you are the one that actually knows what the hell they are doing. Well, you can actually play the game. I I am I'm, uh, I'm a theory crafter. I'm around in a circle. I did dif- I did finish my eternal championship. So. I have not. So, you know, yeah, I'm still that busy was rough. theory crafting. I'm, there you I, go I stand on, <laughs> Crafting
3: I, a theory I stand on fleet And I
2: think about things Here's
3: a theory I would I theorize mm. That I will not be able To kill this boss <laughs> okay.
2: think. Prove it correct I theorize <laughs> That my DPS Sucks ass Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful Oh great job Super duper Hey <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, man We gotta wrap this thing up Make sure that you are Subscribed to us on iTunes Stitcher, Google Play Wherever you get your podcast uh, Get us there Maybe leave us a review uh, A couple of stars uh, Whatever you think You know I know I know Maybe not Like Many stars But a couple might be uh, uh, Maybe one or two you know, know. Here and there That would help Tell and your friends ma- And make sure you go to BadFeelingPodcast.com That would be our website yes. That's where you can get the podcast Of course Old episodes of the podcast You can go to our Supporters page uh, Patreon.com Slash BadFeelingPodcast If you want to get the podcast Early if we recorded an arc early, you know, I mean, you can get all that and uh, yeah. some other cool stuff there. On we're we're working on that. We're gonna work on some more sweaters right. and stuff some, for you over there. Theorycrafting.com. <laughs> yeah. But, hey man, I've got a theory about this man. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be awesome. But you can also uh, find us on social media, facebook.com slash badfeelingpodcast, and on Twitter, at badfeelingpdcst. And if you're looking for my dumbass, at Bearded Ape is where you can find my personal one. Get it. Uh, I'd like to talk some smack on there. Metal. And a few other things, and metal and everything else. So hook up with us wherever you can, and of course, listen to this podcast every stupid week, because, you know. <laughs> I've got a bad feeling about this podcast. <laughs>
1: I hope you enjoyed the Bad Feeling Podcast. You can contact Chuck at badfeelingpodcast.com, Brian at badfeelingpodcast.com, on Twitter at badfeelingpdcst. They ran out of letters. The Bad Feeling Podcast is not affiliated with BioWare, LucasArts, or EA. Trademarks are the property of the respective owners.